0: Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAdvice.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice. In this episode, Trevor and I travel through space and time to roast marshmallows and push buttons. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good.
1: Ready for some marshmallow roasting with the space-time travel.
0: I know. I, I could definitely use some nice, like really burnt ma- uh, marshmallows right now. They'd be really good.
1: As hot as it is here in October, you probably could just roast them without a fire. (laughs) And so we'll start off in our usual spot, which is the Apple news. And it turns out that on October 23rd, 2001, Apple launched the iPod. And so we have our special anniversary date and it's interesting because the iPod is really the first one that kicked Apple off into their current popularity in in terms of consumers because in 2001 Apple wasn't the big glamorous company they are today that everyone was trying to copy and be like so it took the iPod to kind of have that initial groundswell and you know that brought in a few new Mac users and it really set up the introduction of the iTunes Store, which was going to be the basis for the App Store eventually. So everything that we kind of appreciate today came from that original iPod announcement.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe that was 16 years ago. Now, did you actually have one of the original iPods? I did not.
1: I don't think I got an iPod until like the fourth generation or something.
0: Okay, yeah, I had like a Rio MP3 player, and I had another... another. Other party MP3 player, but I never had the actual iPod until the original iPod Touch, and that's when I first finally jumped into the iPod game.
1: Yeah, I think I I did have a Rio, and then I got an iPod when it was finally compatible with Windows PCs and stuff, or like a mm-hmm. generation after that.
0: It's whenever they had okay. a
1: video iPod. That's I think the first one I got. Oh, I remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wasn't a big fan of that wheel. When I finally saw the wheel and people loved this thing, I didn't understand how they loved it because I tried it out and I really did not like it.
1: It made him... It, it just it seemed more professional versus all those like plasticky ones that I was using. I was like, this feels like a
0: premium thing. Right, yeah, I mean... The, Material-wise, it definitely felt much better than any of the other cheap mass-market MP3 players that were out there. Like Every company was trying to cash in once they realized this was a viable product. And then Apple releasing theirs made it that much more so that everyone thought, hey, if Apple's doing it, it must be really good. And then now we're all going for it.
1: It seems like I listened to music more then because I wanted to get some use out of buying the iPod versus you know it, music is such like a sub thing on my phone where iPod that's what you want to do and imagine if they had AirPods then <laughs>
0: <laughs> imagine what we'd have now if they had them then you'd have little implants it'd be great. yeah it'd be,
1: you always had to wrap the cord around the iPod to keep it from getting all tangled somehow it still yep. would get tangled it's crazy. And so 16 years later, the iPod essentially doesn't even exist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. They
1: pretty much dumped it. And so it does somehow lead us into the iPhone X again, because you can't have a podcast without talking about the iPhone X. And so now we know that Apple's going to have 2 to 3 million units available for launch. That's somehow going to be spread across 10 countries as well as all the different carriers here in the U.S., in addition to the Apple Store, so that's five potential places you could buy it. So this, I don't think there's going to be that many for November third.
0: No, this is going to be awesome. This is—I I am so looking forward to this absolute <laughs> awful experience that we're going to have. Uh, especially me staying up till three in the morning for this. I don't know. This is just really going to go bad. And then I, there was the news this week about people doing that Apple upgrade program where they had a way that they can kind of get pre-approved to make it quicker for them to check out rather than having to go through some whole process. I don't use that program, so I don't really know the details, all the details of it, but it sounded like it was going to simplify it down to almost like a one-click solution for them. So I don't know if that's going to help them check out much faster than than people having to go through the normal methods or i don't know i don't like that just because you chose apple's upgrade program that you would have a leg up but at the same time i want everyone to kind of be on fair footing
1: yeah they sent out the approvals for that today you had to apply by sunday and i think they sent out approvals today so your whole setup is ready to go i don't know how many people are part of the iphone upgrade program and the main reason that i've Stuck out of it is that you have to pay for Apple Care, and when you have a phone for a year, it's very unlikely that you'll need Apple Care unless you're just a total klutz with your phone and just like spike it on the ground on purpose.
0: Actually, it looks like now you don't have to. I think they have two options in there because I was looking at it today, and it looks like you can choose to not do the Apple Care or do the Apple Care, but you're still on a 24-month payment plan versus like the at t which lets you do a 30-payment plan. So, I think that's. I think they kind of eased up on that whole requiring you to have the Apple Care because yeah, it doesn't make any sense to have it for a one-year device. More, most likely, your problems are going to be unless you drop it. Uh, your problems are going to come when the battery starts stopping to work and you can't replace it because it's all kind of just stuck on there because Apple won't let you replace batteries. But those are when you're going to hit the problems, not usually within that first year because you're already covered anyways by the normal warranty.
1: Yeah, that's good to note that Apple changed that for this year because I know that's the reason I didn't do it last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went in there, and one said, like, Apple payment plan, and there was an option. It said you will have to purchase Apple Care separately for that one.
1: Huh. Well, that's good to know. And so now we don't have to tell you some date in advance. It's simply this Thursday at 12.01 a.m. Pacific. You can start pre-ordering the iPhone X for arrival on November 3rd. That November 3rd arrival date is going to slip super quick. There's going to be gigantic lines at Apple stores if you're not able to pre-order it online. And pre-ordering is way easier since FedEx or UPS just dropped it off at your house anyway. So you want to put all your effort you can into this Thursday evening, into early Friday morning. And so kind of the one tip I have is go to Apple's checkout process and Get familiar with it, where everything is. You can add the iPhone X to your wish list so you have a quicker jump to that. But then just be familiar with where the buttons are, how you need to input your information, how autofill works, just so you're ready. You cut any millisecond you can so you get through that checkout process as quick as possible (laughs) when it finally goes live.
0: Yeah, and decide now if you're going to want black or white. And then just stick with it and try to go for it. Then if that one's out, then try swapping out for a different one.
1: Yep. If you've ever tried to buy tickets that sell out in like 10 seconds or something, you should be good. This should be like a couple minutes rather than seconds, but just be as
0: careful as you can with this. Yeah. Normally, you don't necessarily see it get sold out. You just see those dates get larger and larger as you're trying to check out. So you'll see pushed out further and further and further. Hopefully, you'll get in, you'll get. Even within like a month would be good, but I have a feeling this is going to kick out two months, three months, pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, you want to get it in 2017 if you can. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise, now you're already like a quarter of the way towards the next iPhone.
1: Yeah, iPhone XS, man, next year. <laughs> 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 and so that's pretty much the Apple News of the Week And so we can transition over to new apps. And the first one is Apollo Reddit Client. And there's plenty of Reddit clients available on the App Store. So that's not revolutionary in its own right. But it is a new version that's really well made. And it comes from a former Apple intern, Christian Selig. And... So he has some kind of you know connection with Apple to work and have their kind of methodology in designing apps. And so now he's released his own app as an independent developer. And if you ever use Reddit, this app is a really well-made one that kind of uses what you would think of for Reddit. So you have a quick jump button at the top of the screen for any subs reddits that you favorited so if you follow certain ones you just tap the top bar and then you can quickly jump to another subreddit and then you can swipe left to either upvote or downvote any post or you can swipe right to reply or That looks like all you can do. So, oh, or you can bookmark a a post. So it's that normal kind of like email app where you have two options for either swipe direction. So that's the main kind of distinction is you have swipe gestures and quick jumping to different things. But it's everything else is familiar for any Reddit client with your messages and all your different subreddits and favorites and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Reddit is it is an ugly social media service. Like, <laughs> it is just like text on the screen, and any of these uh, these clients seem to do a much better job at rendering it than if you were just going to the webpage. Like, it makes it look nice and clean and a little more modern than than the standard fare, but. And that's what I like about this this client itself. It it does a nice job of actually making this look like something you want to sit there and read not just weird text typed up on the screen and all these kind of jumbled up uh, fanning out posts as they get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just an, a nice client for reading through Reddit and there is, some of it is kind of stuck behind the pro paywall which is done donation style but if you just want a nice client to read through, like, Reddits, like, you're just, you don't tend to post or you just want to read through stuff, you can do that absolutely for free with this. And it's going to look a heck of a lot better than than just going to the web page. So, I for that alone, it's definitely worth checking out. If you are someone who tends to read a bunch of Reddits and just want to kind of scroll through them quickly and see what's there.
1: Yeah, if you ever have any kind of subreddits that you particularly follow or if you just want to see kind of the top what's trending this is definitely a definitely great client for that but if you do want to submit posts or have multiple accounts or various kind of touch id or customized gestures you are going to need to unlock the pro version and you the minimum charge is two ninety nine. you can donate more in that tip jar kind of setup but for three dollars you unlock the entirety of the app it's not a subscription service it's a one-time fee
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some great features that you unlock with that, like you can set up exactly which Reddits you want to display right when you load up the app. So if there's one you follow closely, that'll come right up. I'm really, I think I'm probably going to purchase this. I I think this will make my Reddit experience much nicer, and I'm more likely to actually visit Reddit and read through stuff. And I I won't miss as much because of that, just because of the way this will much more cleanly display it. Yep, and
1: that's Apollo Reddit client. It's free, it's universal, and like we said, there's a purchase for Pro. And that means it's time for some games. And the first one this week is Returner 77, which is a sci-fi 3D puzzle adventure that's reminiscent of The Room, where you have these mechanical puzzles with tactile kind of interaction on the screen. And so, essentially, you're one of the last two survivors of Earth. You're counterpart is has gone through the ship and kind of disabled various alien computer programs and mechanisms to try to disable the security systems that's coming to chase and kill her so now you have to try to figure everything out all the broken stuff fix it and so that's where the puzzles come into play as you try to piece everything back together so you can clean up the ship and then beam yourself back down to earth and so there's a whole storyline to go with your puzzle adventure experience.
0: Right, yeah, as you're traveling through and exploring this this area you'll come across these little video cubes that have been left there by this other mysterious survivor and she kind of gives you kind of it almost like her video log of things that happened, she tries to give you tips of things that she's seen and It drives the narrative forward as you keep on finding these other pieces and leads you to the next sort of puzzle you need to solve to then move forward. And it's a nice way of kind of building this whole story. And it feels almost cinematic the way they do these little videos and something you might see in like a, a film of someone kind of coming across these little digital video clips and watching them and learning more about this mysterious person. So it's a really well done set up to go along with the puzzles that you're going to hit and then those you obviously get to interact with. And if, because you're using touchscreen, it feels much more natural to be dragging things around or dragging a switch or doing things that you're interacting with these puzzles.
1: And it's interesting, just like over the past month and a half, we had the witness Then we had the Talos Principles, and this week we have Returner 77. They all have a very similar 3D puzzle adventure vibe, but all three of them play very differently. The first two are kind of open world, and then they diverge when they have the actual puzzles. And this game is completely different because it's more of an on-rails experience as you kind of go from puzzle series to puzzle series. And then rather than like a logic puzzle on screen... It is like The Room or The Da Vinci Code or what's the one? Yeah, where... the,
0: I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, Da Vinci something mystery or something. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so those two games have that more immersive tactile puzzle experience where you are manipulating objects, you know, on screen rather than just a logic puzzle or path kind of finding Experience. So it's a different idea, and that makes all three of these games stand apart even though they're so similar. And it's just really enjoyable, immersive experiences available on your iOS device
0: coming out pretty regularly. Right. Yeah. I like how they all kind of have really different themes as well. Besides just like the the way you're interfacing and the mechanics, this is kind of like that space theme. And then you have the other mystery kind of like you're on a mysterious island uh, with the Talus principle. And then with I guess with the witness, you're still kind of on a mysterious island. But I, I don't know. They all kind of really feel different story-wise as well you don't feel like each one kind of cribbed off each other they feel like these were wholly developed separately stories and each of them just happened to be releasing right around the same time like with the stroke of luck we get all these amazing experiences on our ios devices all within a matter of weeks from each other the game
1: was the house of da vinci and house of da
0: vinci yeah, yeah.
1: They really it has that same kind of idea because the house of da Vinci the only real problem was that it was so similar to the room, but that's not necessarily a problem in returner seventy seven it has that same idea, but now with the sci-fi alien tech idea, you really have different things to interact with because you have that whole alien theme, rather these gears and shifts of da Vinci or the really real world mechanisms of the room it broadens your kind of scope of potential puzzles just because you have that whole alien theme and this one it seems like to me it's the most compelling one where i wanted to go back to it and keep playing it versus the Talos principles in the witness just because of that overarching storyline and i'm always more drawn to kind of sci-fi stories
0: yeah i agree with you and i i like the whole aspect of having that other passenger who's leaving those video diaries and you want to learn more about her and learn more of what happened so it definitely helps you really come become engaged in the story and want to continue to play versus the other ones where they almost are a little too open and then you don't necessarily know where the next thing's going to be and you do spend a good deal of time kind of exploring around trying to find that next puzzle in the next section where this one because it kind of leads you along, but it doesn't handhold you. I mean, there's still challenges. It just kind of it's, it's more of a structured narrative than the other two were.
1: Yeah, in The Witness I found myself kind of apprehensive of going too far off because you didn't want to feel like oh, I missed these puzzles or I skipped this section. These game, the puzzles, the challenge is purely there. The only thing it does is that it gives you gives them to you in a proper order, a proper sequence, so you don't feel like you're missing something. Or did I just jump from puzzle difficulty 1 up to puzzle difficulty 10? You know, it actually has more of a gradual curve to it because it points you to puzzle to puzzle. But you still, it's completely hands-off in what you have to do. You have to kind of just figure it out. You do have an AI system in the upper right corner that can give you kind of hints, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, um, I totally I totally know what you're talking about with that hoping you didn't miss a puzzle kind of thing because I, what I would do is kind of keep on slightly increasing my radius of walking around to make sure that I, there was something that I didn't miss anything because last thing you want to do is go way far away, do all these other puzzles, and realize you might have missed one way far back and now you have to figure out how to get back to it and then find it. So, yeah, I do kind of like this safety net of it's going to tell me where the next puzzle is and then I just go and do it rather than having to always have that kind of apprehension of did I miss something or did I kind of travel too far? And so, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that FOMO is real in iOS games. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And so that's Returner 77. It's four ninety-nine. It's universal. And just a really well done 3D puzzle adventure experience. Agreed. And then there's Campfire Cooking, which is a really deluxe puzzle game where it has these advanced 3D graphics, but the core game is really just a 2D puzzle game. And so your goal is to cook your marshmallows over the campfire, and to do so you have to move your stick or pole, or whatever you have, so that you get in the right position. So you cook the top side of the marshmallow, and then you flip it over and cook the bottom side. So you swipe to move the marshmallow, and the game grid has certain squares that you can move to and can't move to. You can swipe in four directions, and then as you advance, you're going to come across the ability to rotate your actual stick so you can move it 360 degrees to change the way that you swipe because if you push the marshmallow it doesn't actually rotate so you need to use that kind of idea so that you can get each half of the marshmallow roasted and then as you go on more there'll be new items to cook that you might cook like a fondue type of campfire idea beyond just marshmallows
0: Yeah, I mean, at its core, it is just like an order of operations puzzle game. But because of this beautiful skin they've put on it and this theme of the cooking over the campfire and roasting marshmallows, it just gives it a whole new feel and kind of almost makes it a little more relatable and personal rather than just maybe moving animals around or whatever happens to be like your typical 2D puzzle of the week order of operations. But... I love that fact that they increase that complexity just by allowing you to rotate the skewers around because now you really can kind of like plan out These I got to push or maybe you use one skewer to push another skewer. So now it is like one row over. So now it can rotate over and get the other side of the marshmallow that's not cooked. So there's a lot of strategy and kind of almost planning out of moves that you have to do once you start to get add more and more of these elements. Because you have to figure out exactly what order of these rotations and pushes and pulls will get you the marshmallows in the right configuration that you need to get them on top of the flames and not burn the side by cooking it twice so it's just a really fun way to present these this type of puzzle game
1: yeah in this game there's nothing worse than that burnt marshmallow when you especially (laughs) when there's like four marshmallows on screen you've cooked three of them perfectly and you're like stuck there's no way to cook the last side of the fourth one without pushing one of the already cooked ones in but then also they have a non-destructive undo system, so you can undo one move at a time. So rather than restarting the entire puzzle, if you just messed up a couple moves ago, you just tap twice, and so then you can readjust where you were with already maybe two cooked marshmallows and change your strategy from there. And that's always good in these sequence-based puzzle games, especially once these sequences become really complex, and it's going to take you know a dozen or a couple dozen moves to figure them out.
0: Yeah, that undo is awesome, and all these type of games should have that by default, but unfortunately we've seen they don't always do it. Now, the only problem I had was I personally love my marshmallows burnt to a crisp, so (laughs) I don't think that should be a fail condition, that should be a win condition. I could see that, <laughs> and then
1: I wanted to. Each time I see just a pure marshmallow, all I can think of is s'mores. I don't. I like that sandwich idea versus just the marshmallow by itself.
0: True, true. Yeah, I, yeah slap a couple of graham crackers and chocolate on there. We're
1: good. Make it more complex. Now you you transition from just the pure you know, campfire, you have to go on to this next stage. You have your marshmallows cooked, and now it's a new puzzle game where you have to get the graham crackers and chocolate in the right spots.
0: This sounds way too hard. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But this is just, like you said, they could have made this a super simple kind of order of operations puzzle game that you've played a ton of times before with the skin that you've seen or some kind of established motif, but instead it feels like it's much more of an actual experience where they even zoom out and you have these kids with their grandpa. So you have a little subtle storyline, a couple of little jokes as you're transitioning from a set of levels to the next set of levels. So it feels like there's a progression and there's just a whole kind of idea that I want to proceed and face new levels and just be constantly immersed in the world they've created.
0: Yes, and that grandfather is not very responsible, giving them so many marshmallows. It's insane. And so that's Campfire Cooking. It's three
1: ninety nine, and it's universal. And then there's Time Recoil. This comes from 10 Tons. They've made a number of puzzle games and lately they've transitioned over to action games and this fits right in there. And so it's a top-down shooter game which really uses that bullet time effect as the main kind of gameplay mechanic. Usually bullet time is kind of a graphical stylistic choice. Essentially after you shoot or after you kill, it uses that bullet time for a couple seconds to just like really enhance the kill shot. So time recoil actually uses it at the mechanic. So when you kill somebody you actually slow down time from there. And so that allows you to take out like 25 enemies in this slow down mode where they're moving at slow pace, but you're at full speed. So it lets you trigger, you know, you bust into a room, there's five guys, you can take them all out because things are going slowly. And then also you also build up different abilities in that time idea. So you can dash through walls and interact with the environment you know trigger an explosion and blow out the surroundings while these guys are still barely reacting to you and that you appeared in the room and then there's an overarching storyline so it's not just here's a level kill some guys go to the next level do rinse and repeat you actually have this whole time travel storyline where you're going to go back in time to try to get these pieces of intel or try to rescue these guys, and that will change the timeline going forward, a whole Terminator timeline idea. And so that gives you incentive to keep playing and going through it, because it's not truncated into levels where you have loading screens and that. Instead, you, know, you go back in time, then you transition back to your home base, you talk to a couple guys, they give you new incentive and new mission, and then you go back out to the black hole, the time warp, to go and do it again.
0: Yeah, I like the whole storyline they came up with. So you are like this, you're part of this experiment and somehow you're able to travel in time and go back to where you were, but not die. I guess everyone else who's done this, who travels back to where they were, dies when they try to return. And so for some reason you're immune to that. So you go back once and you're trying to capture this guy and you can't go back far enough to stop his original experiments. So you have to go back and get uh, scientists that were back there. And then you get their, their intel from back there. And slowly you start to improve your ability. You build bigger machines to then be able to send you back further. And each of the you have like this nice little mission system where when you talk to those other guys and they tell you what you need to do, it might be going and destroying things. It may be killing all of uh, all of the scientists there, or maybe you have to rescue a certain number of scientists. So it's different each time. I mean, it's similar gameplay each time, but the maps are different and your objectives are different. So it, in a way, it kind of feels a little bit like uh, Ten Tons. A neon chrome game which they released last year which was a dual stick shooter that same top down view but it just feels much better on mobile for time recall just because it's set up in these smaller kind of like chunked missions and you can go in and play one of these missions for maybe like 5 10 15 minutes and then stop and then come back in and you always have something new to do with this whole story mode and there's 50 overall levels for the story mode but it does drive like a story forward and you you definitely are interested in seeing what happens and they show you these cool little visuals of like the timeline and how you can now go further down the timeline and that whole bullet time is a is almost like a weapons system where if you kill X number like say you kill two people while you're in that bullet time, you get one certain power up. But if you kill four of them now you get a different power up that's even stronger and so there's incentive to to try to take out as many people as you can while you're in that bullet time mode in order to really rack up your nice a nice power-up that you can maybe then use on a room that's filled with 25 people that maybe you don't even have enough bullets to take out that many people. But by dashing in there, you kind of just swoop through them and take them out in one big horde, and then maybe you have a few bullets left over to shoot out a couple, of the last couple of guys. So yeah, it's, a, it's a really neat setup.
1: You have more strategy in the shots that you use. Like the neon chrome, it came out last year, and it was pretty unforgettable, or pretty forgettable. It was just non-memorable, it was unmemorable, and it's because it was like that dual-stick shooter that you've played before, you kill a bunch of enemies, and then there's more enemies to kill. You just have infinite ammo, you're just killing whatever you see that moves. And so this game, it has that similar style perspective, but now there's an actual storyline for to give you reason to care, and then your ammo is limited, and then you have to really focus on what path or who you're going to kind of take out first of the given enemies. Like in the initial set of levels, it's really easy to just blow through everything. But as you go, your ammo, you really need to focus on. And that kind of makes it a experience that you'll keep coming back to. And hopefully when we get to October, 2018, it's one you remember as compared to neon Chrome.
0: Right. Yeah. That whole limited resources almost gives it all like a stealth gameplay sort of feel because you do have to kind of stalk around the level and figure out who I'm going to take out and then some of the people when you kill them you gain extra bullets but there's a possibility you could run out of bullets and then you got to try to do something like maybe if you break something there might be a bullet there but odds are you're gonna to have to restart but it's it's super quick to restart the level like it instantaneous but then now you're a little wiser and you want to you, you know what you did wrong and maybe you need to take a different approach to these enemies i almost wish the the resources were even more limited than they are like maybe and maybe it is i think there were multiple difficulty levels and maybe in one of the higher ones they'd be even more restricted because then it would you'd really have to figure out everything you wanted to do and then go do it. And I, I kind of, I, I almost want to try it that way. I, I know, I can see where it would get frustrating uh, for certain levels, but if the, I I got to try it at the higher level and see if that has an option because once you play it enough, then you can usually start to figure out exactly what you need to do to take them out where I almost wish you were like right on the cusp and maybe you had a single bullet left right when you got everyone out and but i don't know even as it is it is still quite challenging there's a lot of levels where i had to replay them multiple times to in order to to get by them but i i it's a it's so much better than neon chrome definitely
1: i can definitely see even more limited ammo each time you talk about you know a certain number of shots all i can think of is that sequence in deadpool where he only has those 10 bullets and he needs to take out all those guys
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the feel you want. Like that's only like once you've done it enough times in the early levels, I really would like to have those severe limitations that really force you to be creative and sneaky and taking people out.
1: And then also, I just wanted to talk about how 10 tons, you know, they started, they made puzzle games like Ascand and Sparkle and Tennis in the Face. And now they've transitioned to Neon Chrome and here with Time Recoil. It's quite a diversion, you know, between a puzzle game and a shooter game, but Time Recoil doesn't completely combine the two, but you can see that puzzle pedigree they have in place combined with a shooter game versus just a pure neon chrome dual stick shooter.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it helped them with the level designs of these because now you do have almost that puzzly aspect of how do I approach this level? Like, and they have things within the levels where you have to pick up certain keys, you got to go uh, break down certain areas first in order to get the keys to then access other areas. And I think that th- those early titles of focusing on puzzly games definitely helped to kind of come up with these, this creative mashup of like a really strong action game but then have puzzly elements to it
1: yep and so that's time recoil it's 399 it's universal and then there's push and that's in quotes with it's the game from the maker of hook as well as clocky and both those games offer kind of a minimalistic pure puzzle experience and push fits in that same idea but each game is a completely different puzzle challenge so with this new edition Essentially, there's no instructions, tutorial, or anything. You're given a 3D object with all these buttons on the side, and you need to push all the buttons. And so at the start, you're just, they're all plain buttons, you push them all in, and you advance to the next level. But as you go, the buttons become more complex, so you have this specific order of operations you need to figure out, and you need to decode kind of what the buttons mean. So it's self explanatory when you have buttons where essentially they have the numbers on the dice and you have to press them in order. But then you start to go and you have to figure out which ones pop out when you press this one and you need to just use kind of process of elimination to figure out which buttons to press and the 3D objects become more and more complex and you can shift them around so the developer used that 3D object where each side is in play. Each surface has different buttons to press so you have more to figure out.
0: Right, yeah. I love that they don't even tell you anything that's going on. And the first few, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is easy. And then you hit a couple others, and then you're like, wait a minute. When I press that button, the button I just pressed depressed. What did I do wrong? And then now you have to figure out, well, what's the rule? i got to figure out the rules for this particular object, and then those rules will carry on to future objects. So now you have to remember the previous rules that applied, and then figure out whatever new rules might apply. And then when you start to get to the objects where you can rotate them, then you realize, wait a minute, there's more sides to this thing. And then there's a button that will rotate certain parts of it and you're like, oh, that's where that button I probably need to press after that button I just pressed was. And then it just keeps on building on itself, adding more and more rules and more things to think about. So the deeper you get into the game, the more of a challenge it is. And it's just one of these fun little, Kind of time wasters, and you can you can spend a few minutes with it, solve a puzzle while waiting in line, and then move on to the next one. And it's just a a nice little thing to keep your brain active.
1: Yeah, they're super condensed challenges, and this developer's just done a really good job in that style. Hook, Zenge, and Clocky all play completely differently, but they all have that kind of thought-provoking puzzle setup where you play a level, there's no loading screens or timers or three-star scoring system or bonuses or combos or any of that. It's just complete this puzzle. Here's a new puzzle. It's kind of like the one previous, but it's a little bit tougher and you just play through them. And when this guy releases a new puzzle game, it's worth taking note.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 This one kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't even, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't hear anything about it. And then I, when I checked it out, it kind of, it, especially as you get deeper and deeper and there's more and more things to try to figure out, you like to just kind of puzzle around with it for, for a few minutes and then go off, do something, come back. I need something to keep my mind active and then do a few more puzzles. So it's a, it definitely a fun one that's worth checking out.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of Don't Press the Red Button, where that game plays completely differently But just I love a game Where the entirety of it is composed Around pressing buttons Like the most m- fi- menial
0: task There is You almost wish you had like haptic feedback So you could feel those buttons As you pressed them in It would replace like a fidget spinner so Or yeah. a fidget cube Then you could like just press these buttons In and out all day
1: Yep and so that's push Again you have to put quotes around it it's 99 cents, it's universal, and I think that's everything for episode 39.
0: Yep, that's all I got.
1: Brett, thanks again for joining me. Always a pleasure. to so everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time.